Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions. And those things, Lord, that provoke you to anger. Those things, Lord, that put a veil between you and us. Those things, Lord, that have just made us not compatible with you, Lord. And all you want to do is be with your people. I'm asking at this time that we have a strong presence of the Holy Ghost, Lord. That your spirit of truth and understanding will flow through to all those who want the truth, Lord. I'm also asking that that you can bless every member here, Lord, that they may grow spiritually in your ways, that we may all have some understanding as to what times we're in, the deceptions that are in this world, that we have to walk, Lord, as you walked. It's the only way to carry this thing out. So I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, confusion, jealousy, malice, hatred, Lord, rejection, uh, any spirit, Lord, that is outside of you, Lord, let it be mowed down, Lord, and thrown out. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and you are worthy to be praised. Lord, I'm asking that you do these things in your glory and for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so um, tonight's study is going to be called Holiness is Not Optional. Um, this was something I heard others speak about. I know Derek Prince wanted to write a book about it, but he said that um, he never got the chance or, you know, if he was ever led to do it. I heard uh, A.A. Allen and others talk about this, and it was something that kind of pointed my mind in a different direction with certain scriptures that the Lord gave me. So um, we're going to try and get through it, make sure it's what the Lord wants in line with scripture to prove that the only way to really be with your God and know your God is to be holy. He says, be ye holy for he is holy. So I know that people have heard in times past about, well, you can't be perfect. You know, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things. You're going to, this is going to happen. Yeah, that's in your growth. Absolutely. But there is a point in time when you are yielding yourself to the spirit of God that you can reach perfection. And the devil will tell you there's no way in the world that that can happen. You're going to mess up, but you can be perfect if you if we yield fully to the spirit. But it takes maturing. So we're going to prove that. And I know a lot of people don't. This isn't a popular doctrine because the world people want to do what they want to do. So we're going to have to deal with that. But um, before we get going, Christina's going to present something, and then we'll get right into the lesson. When I was trying to figure out what I was going to talk about today, it's kind of grumpy. (laughs) 
I don't understand why. Um, I was really struggling trying to figure out like what I want to talk about, and I usually try to get something that I'm passionate about. And even that, like I was researching and like reading my Bible, and just nothing was like sticking. And I feel like so I prayed about it. That helped, but it still took more reading in the Bible. And then finally, I realized, well, okay, so what am I? trying to work through right now kind of like a spiritual slump trying to really feel the Holy Spirit inside me and um, let it lead me so I started looking into that and um, really kind of felt like I was almost being attacked by the spirit of sloth like not wanting to let me work to get to know the Lord deeper mm -hmm. so I want to kind of um, that's what I'm gonna that's what I got into and I got really really excited about it and that's how I know it was given to me from the Lord but it's um, the spirit of sloth slowly decays your body and soul. So, first, let's define sloth. What do you guys think the sloth is? Oh, I know, because I went through it for about a month. So, I'm just like, I've just broken out of that. But the spirit of sloth is a spirit of heaviness. It's mm -hmm. also a spirit of um, laziness. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've been through that. You can feel it when it's coming on you. It keeps you complacent. Time. It keeps mm -hmm. you from not wanting to... One, get into your Bible and get closer to the Lord. And it keeps you mm -hmm. from, like, I don't know, just your well-being. Mm -hmm. it, it tries to kill you. Keeps you from thriving. Yeah. Keeps. For me, mm -hmm. I feel like it kind of, I end up justifying doing the easier things first or the more pleasing mm -hmm. things first. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, it won't take as long. I'll just do this first and I'll do that one later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah. this prioritizes me. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I just see the character on Ice Age. I have <laughs> several, which is being a fatso, I guess. <laughs> being a fatso, so seeking the pleasures that, um, I don't know, resting sometimes. I think we get through stressful weeks of work and all we want to do is relax and rest. Um, but the biggest thing that we can do to strengthen ourselves and revitalize ourselves is actually to strengthen our um, learning and studying of the Word of God and then relax after that because that will rejuvenate you. That That's will true. kill off those spirits that are wanting you to be lazy and decay your body. Um, but I actually looked up the definition of sloth. Um, so I'm just going to read it. A lot of those we hit already, but it was um, slowness, laziness, sluggish idleness, uh, disinclination, which I looked that up, it means reluctance or lack of enthusiasm to action or labor. Um, sloth is like rust. It consumes faster than labor wears. Mm -hmm. So think about that. So the spirit of sloth consumes you, so takes over your body, um, and decays you faster, like rust, than it does um, the energy it takes to exert and labor and put into something to be productive. Um, so then I looked up the word slothful, because that's used um, in the Bible, and it's inactive, indolent, which I had to look that up. It's desired to want to avoid activity or exertion of energy. So it's an actual desire, like you don't want to have to work, you want to relax. So I want to um, first start at Proverbs 18.1. Add some scripture to back this yeah, up. We got the thing behind us, you guys need it. Yeah, that's a perfect <laughs> spot too. I remember <laughs> the first time you were trying to find a spot. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Proverbs 18. Yeah, 18 wise. Okay. So, Proverbs 18.1. The wellspring of wisdom. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermediate the, with all wisdom. So, intermeddleth. Is that how do you say it? Meta? Yeah, um, I had to look that up too. That means like intervenes or get in the way of. Mm -hmm. um, so separating yourself from the Holy Spirit that keeps you from understanding God's wisdom. A fool has hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. When the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt and with ignominy reproach. So disgraceful approach. The words of the man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. So I really like this fourth one, 18 and 4. Um, so when you have the wisdom of the Lord of the Holy Spirit, they're as deep waters. So that source is never ending. It's a supernatural source of wisdom. But the only way you do have that wellspring of wisdom is by really getting to understand the word and building a relationship with the Lord. And with that, that you can't have the spirit of sloth. That takes work. It takes labor. Um, a lot of people will read scripture but not fully understand it and just be okay with that. Um, God revealed to me that's kind of like being lukewarm to him because if you don't fully understand it, you're going through the motions. So when you are studying, it's you get more out of if you take every line by line and word by word. If you don't understand it, research it, cross-reference in the Bible, truly try to get meaning out of it. Otherwise, it's just going to be words on a paper. They're not going to become true into your soul and into your spirit and become alive. Um, go down to 18.9. You like? Yeah, go ahead. Go. Verse four. That's also how you can lead others into error by mm -hmm. not having an understanding of what the scripture mm -hmm. says. And someone mm -hmm. asks you about mm -hmm. it, you just say, "Well, this is what I got from it." Mm -hmm. And so it's like if we're not sure about what something says, you're exactly yeah. right. We have to know exactly what it says. Yes, and don't be. Um, if you aren't sure. Don't be like embarrassed, like take that as correction from the Lord as, hey, he might be telling you a sign, go look into this more. Mm -hmm. This is something you need to know. Um, those are just opportunities to learn and get better. So 18, nine. he also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. So saying people who are, are being lazy, men who are lazy, um, is wasting their time, their energy. And then go down one more. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. So when we have the Lord, Jesus Christ, when we're building him inside of us, then we have protection um, from these spirits and things that are can get in our way from having a relationship with him or even the world worldly things do get in the way of us having a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. TV. I mean, the spirit of sloth can make you want to watch TV. Um, next time, maybe challenge yourself. Okay, if I'm going to watch TV, let's try to take this biblical. How can I see the things of the world mm -hmm. in this show? How is it taking, like, you know, deceiving people and man? Um, like, trying to take it as a spiritual approach versus a worldly approach. Changing the way you think. Um, also... 
Okay. Let's go to Proverbs 19.15. So just write one over. Proverbs 19.15. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. So, casteth. So it's saying right there that sloth is a spirit because it's casted over you and into a deep, cast you into a deep sleep, which to me, when I think of that, um, I think of last Sunday when we were here, we had, um, I felt like it was for me a hard blockage to get into the word and really retain it. I was struggling with that and that's what it felt. It felt dizziness in here. It felt like almost like my body was as out of body experience. I wasn't able to focus. Um, that to me sounds like bridgecraft. What would you say, Derek? Do you? Yeah, I mean, okay, you, make you sure can tell what the right feeling is like that. where, you know, there might be spells in the air or people may, mm -hmm. you know, you yeah. don't know who lives where. And people could be praying over this thing, hoping that it never happens or whatever. Mm -hmm. But definitely attacks, mm -hmm. definitely spiritual attacks when you have this feeling of dizziness or, you know, complacent. It's like you can't get it. And I would encourage everybody, no matter who's up here speaking or whatever it is that they're doing, to, you know, even pray inwardly if you're feeling it. Because while one person is presenting the lesson, you know, you can't pray at the same time you're mm -hmm. doing that. But, you know, it encourages everyone to fight whatever it might be in the room that you're feeling. That's pray true. for the person that's yeah. presenting, you know, so that the attacks won't go against them. Good, yeah. sorry. Yeah, so exactly. That was just to prove that slothfulness can be a spirit can be cast upon you can take over you um, just how cal rust devours your body um and then an idle soul shall suffer hunger so that's saying to me if you're not feeding your spirit with like the word of god and trying to apply it into your life and work it out then and constantly correct yourself then you'll become hungry you, that laziness will take over that spirit will have room to embody your flesh um so, and then go down to 16. He that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despiseth his way shall die. What is the wages of sin? Death. Death. So this is saying that sloth is a sin. Being lazy is a sin. Um, then, so I just want you to think about, because um, I talked a little bit about wisdom, and wisdom is guided by Jesus Christ and prevents you from the attacks of slothful spirits. So this is a way for us to keep us from being attacked by Satan, which is the same for a lot of other spirits that come and attack us. Um, if we are working things out in our life and be trying to clean ourselves out, then we become less um, reluctant or um, less vulnerable to these attacks because we're becoming more strong in Christ. Mm -hmm. So think about these questions do you just read through your bible or do you study it so what's the difference defining every word do you really understand it do you ask for god for understanding and revelation in your life for corrections um, or are you just going through the motion and reading it as story time or is you making it real into your life um are you slothful in your work with jesus and your walk with jesus um, or could you give him more time could you find more ways in your time to make him your priority versus worldly things. A um, few other scriptures, just to prove my point, and then I'll be done. And I'll just read them out loud, so you don't have to go anywhere, because they're quick little ones. 
So 2 um, Thessalonians 3 and 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So that's saying, I mean, just like in the world, we, real world, if we don't work, how are we going to provide food on the table? This is the same spiritually. If we don't put work into it, how do we expect for us to be spiritually fed and nurtured and mm-hmm. grow our seeds and the fruit um, of the Spirit? Um, next one that I want to read is Ecclesiastes ten eighteen. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. So when I listen to this, I hear the building, because people were being slothful, it decayed. So that's like your temple, your body, um, your vessel. If we're lazy, we are slowly decaying it. We're killing off our body. And this is what Satan wants to do. Mm -hmm. Kill, destroy, deceive you, thinking you need rest, when really you need to keep working. And when you work, and the Bible says the Lord will strengthen you, but the Lord can't strengthen you if he doesn't know you. And what that means is putting work into your relationship with the Lord. He has to know you. So through praise, prayer, um, reading and studying your Bible, not just going through the motions, you have questions to ask and seek. Um, Next, Proverbs 19.24. A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. So that's pretty blunt, right? That's basically saying, I mean, I mean, God hates sloth. That's laziness. It's a sin. Um, it's filth. <laughs> no one's gonna want to eat after their hands been in their bosom. You know, it doesn't gonna give you any nutrients. Well, it does not bring the fruit of life. Well, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. All right, and then last one, Proverbs twenty-one twenty-five. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. So again, just like that rust will decay you away, decay your body and your flesh, um, this sin will kill off your body if you don't be careful and really work uh, physically and in real life with the works for providing for the Lord, serving the Lord, but also internally, intrinsically, relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's totally true because... I mean, I can even, um, when she went to 1 Thessalonians 3, I was already, like, thinking somewhere around there, like, what's what. Um, this is a key part, too, because some people will say, okay, that was all, you know, old, and who's to say that that plays out today? So it says with Jesus, and um, this is John 6 and 33, he says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come uh, come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. So even Jesus didn't have a spirit of slumber here when the father, you know, even when he was young and he got away from his parents. And um, I think Mary went looking for him. I think it's Luke 2 and 30 or something. 
But um, she said, um, well, your father and I, you know, she tried to say Joseph was like his father. She said, your father and I were looking for you. And he said, you know, why is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So he was telling, imagine a young kid telling you that, like his father in heaven. But the point is, is like Christina brought up great points because the Bible says that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. We want to eventually get to the place where we experience outflow more than inflow. Like right now, like the children of Israel, when they were in uh, Egypt, they were slaves. They were sustained by their masters. When they went into the wilderness, the Lord sustained them every day, you know, with the rock or, you know, um, manna falling from heaven. But when they got into the promised land, remember, they said it flowed with milk and honey. So, you know, the promised land is the place we want to get to in the spirit where you deal with God direct. When he tells you something and you, you know, you have the information. So you won't be watching videos much anymore trying to find it. This word will live in you. You know, this word is Jesus Christ. And we talk about Christ being formed in us. That is the whole goal is to have Jesus formed inside of you that you may, that this word may live in you. So when you want to, it's kind of like instead of passing, you know, uh, messages, you go to God direct. All right. There comes a point where God gives you his personal phone number, personal email. You and he are talking. It's not like you're hoping to hear from him. You know, that he's actually, hey, why don't you give him this? Why don't you send this? So you're not trying to find information. That studied word lives in you. And this is why when you are studying, that you know, scriptures just come off the top of your head and you start speaking them. But they were never a part of what you wrote down because the word will live in you. And sloth, I told Sarah, I think, what, about a week ago or something, I said, man, there's a spirit of sloth on me. I said, I can tell because... I'm not working out, which I'm glad I got back into this week, but wasn't working out. You know, I was sitting on that couch. Where I probably sat in every position, you know, watching them. That might have been all my movement when I wasn't working, but that and um, I just started eating Cheetos and all this other stuff and just kicking back. And I'm like, man, this isn't me. And I could feel like something saying, man, you got to fight out of there. So you're going to be 400 pounds one day. You're going to have to break free. So, I mean, there is something where you can tell when that spirit is on you because how do you sleep? I used to sleep until about one. Okay. I mean, one o'clock because I go to bed about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, you know, you sleep until about one. You wake up, watch a little TV, get in a little of the work, and then you pass out on the couch. And it's like, well, how do you do that? You know, and, and not have something wrong with you. You should have tons of energy if you sleep 10 hours. Not me. I would look up roll over and sleep some more and it's just nah. so I'm glad I've broken out of that you know that won't come on me again and that's why it says if you walk in the spirit you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh and that was great by Christina when she presented all right let's go to Leviticus 20 and verse 1 But a slothful spirit, you know, is very much like a rejected spirit. It will probably tell you, man, you don't have the strength to do it. Wait till tomorrow. You know, it'll always try and like bind you. And it's like you really have to bust out of it.
All right, uh, Leviticus 20, we'll start at verse 6. Now, this is where the Lord is warning the people to not be involved with these other gods. Matter of fact, let's start at 1. Leviticus 20 and 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. So God was very strict on the children of Israel because he made it very clear that there were strangers in the land. It's just like if you were to take America, where they said at one point this was a Christian nation, you would have had dwellers that were into yoga, Buddhism, Hinduism, all these other practices and things. So he was telling them, don't associate with them, you know, to follow his ways. Also, when they talked about giving children up to Moloch, I think we've covered that where the Bible tells you that you shouldn't throw your children into the fire. Moloch was an image, a statue that had his hands out like this, stone image. It was supposed to represent some false god or some fallen angel, but they would heat up their hands underneath all day long. And how people would feel like they would get gained would be to take their newborn babies and lay them on the hands of this statue, and the child would just disintegrate. I mean, if the hands glow white hot, they just, you know, poof, they were gone. But that was a type of abortion that the Lord is saying they would be stoned with stones if they practiced this. And you want to see the star of Moloch. It's that six-pointed star you see everywhere, you know, even over on the nation of Israel. All right, verse 3, and it says, And I will set my face against a man and will cut him off from among his people, because he hath given of his seed unto Moloch to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do any ways uh, hide their eyes from the man, when he giveth of his seed unto Moloch and kill him not. So the Lord is saying, if you don't follow this, if someone's doing that and you don't follow what he's telling you, you got a problem with the Lord because this is his law. And people have to understand, like, okay, what kind of God would tell somebody to kill somebody if he's speaking of love? Well, we got to understand, too, at one point, the Holy Ghost wasn't around like you. He was around, but he wasn't in man like you see today. The authority to cast out demons wasn't here like it is today. So back then, people would, you know, the only way to purge sin was to stone. That was it. Kill them, get them off the land. But the demons would still be walking around. So that's why in the time of Jesus, when he came, he did something very different because he was able to cast the demons out of the people. So that way there would be no way to, you know, kill the person. I mean, so you couldn't kill the person. So he says, um, then I will set my face against that man. Did I read that already? Mm -hmm. Okay. Then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off. And all that go a whoring after him to commit whoredom to Moloch or with Moloch uh, from among their people. So you see, it's considered whoring to worship other gods. This is why I don't deal in holidays. You know, it, it provokes the Lord to anger, to jealousy. You know, in our ignorance, we may not understand. And I mean, concerning abortion, I'm not saying if anyone's ever done one, that they can't be forgiven because Lord knows I'd be in hell. You know, I told most of you, are familiar with my story. I was 19. You know, I murdered my own child trying to think of a form of, you know, birth control because I was irresponsible, 
didn't want to deal with my issues. So the Lord can redeem anybody. But the thing is, is to, you don't want to commit the same thing after he's cleansed you and brought you from it. So it says here, um, verse six, and the soul that turneth after such have familiar spirits and after wizards and go a whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among his people. Look at verse seven. This is the whole reason why, you know, I wanted to have this study, but it says, sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am uh, the Lord your God. Uh, oh, okay, and ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you. So, you know, the thing is, is the Lord was constantly calling for the children of Israel to be holy. And under the law, if you weren't holy, I mean, the penalties were stiff. So that's one reason why we have grace today, but it's in order to get things right. It's not a license to sin. It's not to say, okay, well, I know I'm under grace, so I can do this. It's only that period. Don't say, take it for granted. Right. Because he knows your heart, and he knows if you're doing it, like, willing full sinning over mm -hmm. and over. Right, instead of falling or, mm -hmm. you know, and this is why it's great to have deliverance today, because demons can be cast out to take away a lot mm -hmm. of those lusts mm -hmm. that, would, that would allow you to do them. So the Lord even understands under grace, it's not your total fault as to why you may experience this. It may be your fault in how you got the demon through your ignorance. But, you know, the ability to cast out demons is so important because it cleanses people. You know, you lose the appetite, not just the will to do it. All right, so let's go to 1 Peter 1 and uh, 15. It's all the way at the back of the Bible. But I mean, you know, to have a real understanding of holiness, I mean, that is the nature of God. A holy individual, I mean, we would rarely meet, even though they're out there, but a holy person wouldn't even lie at the expense of their own death. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it means to be truly holy. If someone says, man, you tell it, did you do it? And I mean, you could be facing a life sentence in prison. Yes, I did. Now, do I regret it? Absolutely, and everything, and you go off to jail. But how many people can just stay with holiness under any type of pressure? And because you know that your God is listening to everything that you say. And none of us ever wait out long enough to see what would happen if we cling to the truth, that you may have a reduced sentence. You know, something may be, you know what, just let it go. But the Lord is calling for holiness no matter what we experience. All right, so 1 Peter 1 and 15, and it says, But as he which have called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So, you know, it makes no mistake that even back then where people said Levitical law was so tough and they had no grace, here is Peter calling them for the same thing. Actually, it should be easier for us than it was for the people of that day because of the fact that we have the Holy Ghost. To every believer that believes Jesus Christ, he's your personal Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Ghost, which all we need to do is allow to be grown in us to be like Christ. So, you know, 
there is no difference here as far as the Old and New Testament, aside from grace. You don't have to do rituals, you know, to be of God. You are of the Spirit. So let's go to Hebrews 12 and 7. It's right next door. And a lot of people can say, I know a lot of churches overlook this, but because they look at holiness as it's being so hard, like how can you possibly be holy? But this is what it comes to building the spirit of God in us and having that nature of God. The more you walk in the ways of God, the stronger your legs get. In the beginning, it seems all new. Like, man, this can't be done. You know, this is not right. All right. Um, Hebrews 12, verse 7, and it says, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, therefore all are partakers then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we, we have um, had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we have them reverence, uh, shall we not much, rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live. So it's saying, like, how can you pretty much be, you know, receive the correction of your fathers who were imperfect, but now you are of the adoption of the Father of spirits, which is almighty God and have a problem with it. If anything, it should be great to even be a part of it. Even when corrections are being made in your life, mm -hmm. you want the correction. Verse 10, for they verily for, for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. So you see, the only way to get holiness is to fall under the correction of God. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. All right, so hold where you are. Let's go to Galatians 5, because we're going to compare something here. Correction itself is what brings about the fruit of the Spirit, which is necessary in obtaining the full growth in Jesus Christ, and having the gifts of the Spirit. Does chastening mean um, to correct? Yeah, or spanking, kind of like, well, not a physical spanking, but, you know. Well, I mean, for any born-again believer, when you do sin and you mess up, mm -hmm. man, the Holy Ghost reigns on you mightily. I mean, all day, all you hear is, why did you do this? You know, why are you doing And And at the same time, he's talking to you. The devil's talking to you, telling you, oh, God's not going to accept you now. You're worthless. Look at what you've done. Oh, man, you can forget it. The Holy Ghost ain't ever going to come back for you on this. So you got to know the difference between the two. God's correction is you may feel guilt, but you should never feel, well, you might feel shame, but the devil pushes shame. Mm -hmm. Guilt tells you, I made a mistake. I need to make this right. Shame tells you, I am my mistake. Okay, I'm no good. Instead of, I did a bad thing, Lord, forgive me, let me get it right. So shame tries to remove you from any type of being fixed in the Lord. All right, we'll start at verse 14. And it says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would have, I mean, that ye would. So in other words, if you walk in the spirit, it's impossible to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit would be reading your Bible versus watching TV. Walking in the spirit would be to be surrounded by Christians um, versus surrounded by the world. Okay, so um, it, it would be things like that. Like you would have to try real hard to mess this up once you have an understanding of who God is. Because if he tells you he doesn't want you in that company, now some people would say, well, the Lord's going to take me from my friends. If those people are your friends, then you are the enemy of God. The only responsibility that Christians have are to bring people under Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that you have to not like people and everything, but you have to recognize that being in that company and being around unholiness will only make you unholy. I experienced that this past weekend. I went outside and working at the hotel. I walk outside, start talking to, you know, some of the guys at Jackknife. And I noticed I was standing there 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Normally I go out there, hey, what's up? You know, is this person, you know, they don't belong in the hotel, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I notice I'm out there and they're talking about boxing and they're talking about, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But what I noticed is I started getting hooked into the world. I started like, you know, caring about what they thought with what I was saying instead of being about the Lord's business. And afterwards I felt kind of weird, like, why am I doing this? Not that you can't talk about that stuff, but I almost felt for a minute like I belong out there with them. Oh, because I remember when we used to, you know, one sec. But I remember no. when we used to, um, you know, bounce together that I was one of the guys. You know, we used to do, that started coming back on me. And I'm like, man, this is not cool. So I went back in the hotel for the rest of the night. Yeah, sorry, bro. So, no. How do you change that with people you've been around your whole life, though? Like your friends, your family, like it's, just... Right. It's kind of like the Lord does it all by himself. Because the more you preach this word, the more you get separated instantly. You don't even have to try. And I'm not saying that you don't care for people. I encourage people, preach to whomever you can. Tell them the truth. It's not really against them. Paul says we wrestle not with flesh and blood. So we don't battle with flesh and blood. We're dealing with what's in the spirit. And that's why Jesus said that mothers and fathers, sons and daughters will be against one another in the end. Mm -hmm. If you believe, what you believe separates. Mm -hmm. Doctrine separates. It's kind of like if you were a Jehovah Witness and you're no longer one anymore and you tell people about the truth that you discovered, two things are going to happen. One, they're either going to accept what you said and check it out for themselves or you're going to be isolated and you're in a cult and you're some type of heretic. And so, you know, the separation is going to occur no matter what if you cling with Jesus. Because very few people walk with Jesus. I mean, you rarely meet Christians, and that is the truth. I know church will tell you, man, the church is full of Christians. There's a difference between church people and Christians. Christians live their life, church people go through the motions. Two different things entirely. It's kind of like pretending to be a boxer. You get in the ring and you find out you're not one. You may have all the gear on. You got the gloves, mouthpiece, everything. The bell rings, ding, 
and you find out, man, I don't have it. I'm not that person. I've never trained. I've never studied. I've never put myself through rigorous, you know, exercises to prepare. So, you know, there's a difference between fighters and commentators. Commentators sound like they know what they're saying, don't they? Yeah. You get him out there and then, yeah, because, you know, he should have had his right hand up the block and do all this and that. But the question is, could they do that if they stepped in the ring? So, you know, this thing about a Christian is really getting in the arena, being in the fight, being involved, having the Lord work on us, because that's really where all the changes in holiness take place. You'll never be ready trying to wait and see if you can. Get in the fire, go through the motions, the Lord will clean you as you go. Mm -hmm. Like I was telling them earlier, I... um. I enjoyed my first study. I remember my first um, sermon I did in New York. I was up there nervous, shaking like a leaf, you know, saying all this stuff. And I mean, I, I had to listen to it a hundred times. I loved it. But since the Lord has taught me so much, I hate hearing that sermon now. Because I realized how much I didn't know. And how much the Lord was changing and taking from me. That, man, it takes to do this to get better at it, you know? If you wait to study, you'll never be ready. I mean, the word should live in you, but you learn more in battle than you do just being a sideline person. It's just like in the ring. To get in the ring and to fight and to be in it, that's where you take the blows. Okay, all right, I know I messed up on that one. I'm going to write the next week. I'm going to have this scripture. You know, oh, man, I said that. Well, got to make another correction. But, you know, it's all in, it's all in getting ourselves together, getting right, getting ready. So um, the separation, to answer your question, will occur just following the Lord. You know, people are either going to walk with you or they're not going to walk with you. And it's unfortunate how, you know, some family members, I will say I am grateful that I have come from a God-fearing family. You know, they've prayed and everything. I didn't agree with a lot of the Baptist doctrine and all, but they seem very receptive to what I'm saying. I wouldn't say all family members, you know, who knows? I may leave or get off the phone with them and they talk about me like a dog. I mean, hey, that's just the way things are. So um, back to verse 17, uh, Galatians 5 and 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, uh, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I, will, I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is one reason why, you know, I named this study. Um, holiness is not optional. We can't choose to be holy or, you know, well, I can be a carnal Christian because I know there's a such thing going on with that. You might have heard that in churches. Well, you're a carnal Christian. You need to become more spiritual. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. Yes, sir. It's also like if, Let's say you have someone you're talking to about the Lord and they seem receptive of it at first and they come to Christ. 
Mm-hmm. And you want to go out and you want to talk to people about the Lord and they agree with you at first saying, oh, yeah, this is really cool. This is what I want to do. But then you hit the next level of your spiritual growth, spiritual warfare. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is what the Lord's telling me that I that I need to do next. Do so you want to come? Mm-hmm. Like casting out demons and all that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they become like weird around you. Like all the, all of a sudden they say they don't either answer their phone or they get busy. Mm-hmm. And what the reason why that is is because they capped out at their spiritual level and mm-hmm. didn't want to go any further. But you can't just stop where you are and nothing happened to you, you will end up going back into sin greater than what you started out at because we're either serving God or we're serving Satan. There is no middle person you can mm-hmm. that can keep you at that place. You're either going forward or you're going backwards in that. Absolutely. That's why Sunday, I mean Tuesday, is a study. I'll tell you guys the title, but I'm not giving you the, the uh, <laughs> what it's about. But it says, Beware of Pulling Strings and unsevered ties because just having those things come upon you in your life will bring you back into the world that you once lived Mm -hmm. instead of walking in the ways of the Lord. So um, so it says, you know, he's very clear about who's going to make it into the kingdom and who won't. Then it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, uh, meekness, temperance against such there is no law so you know the thing is is to walk in the flesh i mean walk in the spirit not to fulfill the lust of the flesh but the bible makes very clear that people that do these things that will not change won't go into the kingdom of heaven so if there's only one shot that we have in this life to make it into the kingdom let's just face it we're going to have to be holy that's just the way that it is you know so when people tell you you can't do all this stuff. We're going to cover all this. But um, it says, verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of and lust. So it tells you, if you are of Jesus Christ, this flesh has to be crucified. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you won't have the desire to be with your wife or you know anything else, but it's going to be righteous. In order to walk with God, we have to hate sin. That's the only way. As long as you still feel a piece of sin in you or that desire, you can't walk with God because what's going to happen is you're going to yield to what it is you desire. It's one thing to have an attack. Attacks are not desires. A desire is like that which you're longing for, which is a part of your nature. An attack means you could be minding your own business and the enemy will come. Hey, man, you know, let's do this. You know, so it's different. You can rebuke it in the name of the Lord and move on. So it says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So, you know, that's just telling you there about the fruit. So that's why I brought that up when we covered Hebrews. We can go back to Hebrews 12 and um, I didn't even keep my place. Let's see. I think it's verse 12. Hebrews 12 and 12. Uh, It's 11. But it says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, not grievous. So you see how um, with with no chastening for the present, it seems to be like, man, I'm getting away with so much. I'm living the life I want. There's no one that could do anything to me. But then it says, um, But grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yieldeth, 
the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So, you know, the correction may seem hard at first, but it's going to bring out what's there. You want orange juice, all right? You're not going to get that by eating a whole orange or swallowing it whole. You're going to have to squeeze that orange to get what is out of it, you know, that which is necessary. All right, so verse 12, and it says, Therefore lift up the hands, uh, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. So he's saying, man, let's get it right. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And this is telling us, this is the only way is that in order to obtain holiness, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It is having Christ formed in you and taking on the nature of Jesus Christ. Let's, um, I know you guys are going to hate me for this. Let's go back to Galatians 4. And I can tell, man, I mean, fighting the flesh and everything, even when I'm sitting up here doing this, it's all of a sudden I get hungry when all day I was okay. Now mm -hmm. my stomach is fighting me, you know, for stuff. <laughs> it's just so weird. All right, we'll start at verse 12. Galatians 4 and 12. It says, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. For I am as ye are, ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how many, inf how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation which was in my flesh ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, like messenger of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, uh, not well, yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So he's talking about a change here. When he came, he wasn't even of the spirit and was received by this church only to go on with the Lord. You know, uh, Paul himself was chosen, I believe, to be the 12th apostle, you know, to replace Judas when he left. And um, now he's correcting them, but he's laboring with them because they're not at that level that Paul is now about having Christ formed in us. So that's the biggest thing. Jesus Christ has to be formed. If you yield, let's just say we got a cursing, you know, um, way about us, you know, filthy mouth. If you let the Lord control that, you watch what you say over time, the Holy Ghost fills that area. You know, if you watch, you know, certain things you don't watch on TV or you watch the right stuff or things that have something to do with God, you know, there's another place. You'd be surprised when you just stop doing things, how your nature changes. I mean, I used to, man, I had the filthiest mouth on earth. But I'm just saying, 
I would talk to people all day about this stuff. Now, I can't even stand to be around it. Mm -hmm. Just being out there for a few minutes talking to them, and, you know, those guys will say, oh, yeah, because, you know, bleep this and that. And I'm like, all right, time to go back in the hotel. But it's just, in order to walk with the Lord, you really do have to hate sin itself. And the only way to obtain it and go through it is to have Christ formed in you. Let's go to um, Matthew 5. Anybody got any questions? Anything they want to say? The walk will get easier. It's not one that's easy at first because it's unusual. But can you think of anything that you began doing that was easy? Anything. I don't care if it's basketball lessons, whatever. I mean, you can't hit anything. You start out in, you know, lower levels and then you move up. I feel like the biggest thing, because I just went through this whole walk and cleaning out my life. Um, biggest thing is you have to separate yourself from the people who are engaged in the sins mm -hmm. that you previously were, um, like that you took pleasure in. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, you're going to fall. You're going to get tempted in those situations with people that, I mean, your friends and people you care about. But you have to separate until you can get strong enough to dislike it so much that it's not even an option for you. Because that's why the Bible says, and you're, you're so right, that how can two walk together except they be agreed? Yeah. Whatever you join yourself to, that's what you become. It's like Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, that's right. he was a righteous man until he went there because it weighed all the conversation. It, it even says it. It vexed his soul from mm -hmm. day to day being right. around that. Mm -hmm. Vexed his righteous soul. And then what happened after that, After he, even after he was delivered, his daughters were so mm -hmm. vexed with that that mm -hmm. they committed a sinful act because they didn't have any children. They committed a sinful act with their dad. So it's like, how, how can you do that except you be that un, unholy? Exactly. Even Samson, you know, was a, a powerful you know, man of God. But what was his weakness? He loved women. He would go down, hang out with the harlot. And remember when he wouldn't tell her his secret, you know, she vexed him, you know, vexed him to death, the Bible said, trying to find out his secret. And finally he broke mm -hmm. because under that pressure, unless you remove yourself from it, you get caught in it. That's just the way that it is. All right. Matthew 5 and 43. Matthew 5 and 43. Ye have heard that it um, hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and uh, persecute you. So you see the path of holiness? You have to pretty much do what the world does not do. Okay, no one loves their enemies of the world. You know, you, you try and find a way to get rid of your enemies when you're of the world. But he's telling you to love them. People that despitefully use you, that you have to have love for them. That does not mean hang out with them. That means, you know, pray for them, Lord, whatever, have no ill will towards them. If you can do something for them, fine. It doesn't mean stay in the company of those that hate you. Because, you know, the Bible tells us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So why would you want to hang around somebody that wants to kill you every single day? Jesus did, but, you know, that was for a purpose. Jesus knew that Judas was a devil. He said, I've chosen 12 of you, and one of you was a devil. 
All right, so um, 45. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. So you see what it takes to be a child of the Father in heaven? You have to love your neighbor, <laughs> those that despitefully use you to pray for them. Bless them that curse you. That you may be um, children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. So he's saying that even God sustains the wicked. Not that he's for their ways, but the rain is going to fall on the good and the bad. The wicked drink the same water that you drink. So the Lord is trying to show them grace. You know, hey, you know, I love them in the name of Jesus or whatever. I pray that they get right. That's hard to do if you're worldly, you know, for someone that's done something to you. Is that like the wheat and the tares as well? Absolutely. Yeah, the rain even falls on the tares. The rain falls on the goats. I mean, it's just that sort of thing. God will do the separating. We just have to lay our lives down mm -hmm. and be right with him. 46. Now, I know I'm sitting up here talking this, but, you know, I know that the Lord had to take a lot out of me having a boxing background, dealing with stuff. You know, you're always trained. They hit, hit back. You know, or duck and counter with a good one. Turn your ankle into it. Make sure they feel it. So, you know, it's like coming to Christ has to reprogram you and get you outside of that. Yeah. I mean, it's like reaching. It really is being born again. You're learning how to walk. You're learning how to see. You're learning how to speak. So 46 says, For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. So he's saying, you know, don't be like the world, be like Christ. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. That means mature, but it also means holy. We're talking about having the nature of God. Jesus Christ had the nature of his Father. Okay, so we as, as children being grown in Christ have to have the same nature. Now, I know this is hard for a worldly church person because they're like, man, you can't do that. You're going to make mistakes. Well, yield to the Spirit of God and let him work with you every day until things are taken out of you. Mm -hmm. That's all we have to do. What really has helped me with this, with um, just loving my enemies or just people who are against me, is trying to see them through spiritual eyes on what's um, what's, what's taken, yeah, what's taken uh -huh. over them, what's deceived them, and still um, realize it's not them, it's the enemy attacking them. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Job 1 and 8. Job is right by Psalms in the middle of your Bible. You right, bro? Yeah. yeah. But it truly is a major change. Because it's like, once the Lord starts taking stuff out of you, it's, it's, it's just interesting how you see things differently through different eyes. You mm -hmm. don't see them the same way that you used to. You don't see, you don't, like you were just saying, you don't see people the same way you used to. It's right. Like you see the demons inside of them, not them. You exactly. Know? Job what? Uh, one in eight. Now, this will even tell you being, um, matter of fact, let's go to one one. I know Sarah did a good teaching on this a few weeks ago. 
But, you know, you'd be surprised how often perfect is being used in this Bible. All right, so it says, there was a man in the land of Uz, I don't know if that's how you use Uz, uh, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. So we want to understand here that Job, it didn't just say he was a good man. It says he was perfect and upright, but feared God. Now remember, we did a study on the seven spirits of God. And what was one of them? The fear of the Lord. Yeah. Proverbs even tells you the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So fear of God is necessary because it keeps you from doing the things that are wrong. It's just like if you didn't want to disappoint your wife or your husband or whatever. If you have certain um, feelings towards what your actions will, how they will affect them, it's the same way if you have a relationship with the Lord, how it would affect you. So, I mean, really an upright, just person in the Lord is really someone that believes God. I mean, that's the only way to look at it. Like, he would be standing right here in this room is how you have to see him. Mm -hmm. That though I'm sitting here teaching, he's hanging on every word I'm saying. So I can't flip a little scripture to, to support whatever it is I'm trying on my personal agenda because he's listening. Mm -hmm. You know, so you want to know that he is real. That is the only way that this is going to work out with us. God has to be a real person. Uh... Let's see. Oh, and there were born unto him sons, uh, seven sons and three daughters. His substance was also 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 5,000 yoke, I mean, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she asses and she, I mean, and very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all men of the East. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with, with them. And it is so when the days of their feasting were gone about, and Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of all uh, from Job, I mean, for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually so you understand Job wasn't just making sacrifices for him. He was making them for his sons or his family members. This is why the Lord even wants us to enter into prayer for others. Mm -hmm. Because not just for ourselves or the things that we desire, but to have that feeling of, you know, Lord, um, I don't know. You know, there are times in my sleep that I've had to get up <laughs> in the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep. And the Lord said, get on your knees. You know, and you don't know why you're praying, but he brings things to mind to pray for someone. Mm -hmm. Someone out there could be having, you know, they could be in a life or death situation. And you don't know why you're praying for this person. Yep. So, you know, we have to be interceders and seeking a life of holiness will give you that. You will have a desire to pray and do more in the Lord. Notice when you're fasting, how much you want to read your Bible, how much you want to pray, because you're killing the flesh that hates God. It's true. Uh, six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Like, where are you coming from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, 
um, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feared God and eschewed evil. So we understand here that even walking a life of perfectness with the Lord doesn't mean that you're going to have perfect peace. I do believe that this still goes on today where the Lord may be proud of us because we are walking correctly. We are doing that which is right. Although people may not see the works of God that you do, the Lord sees it. So the Lord says, hey, have you considered my servant Sarah, my servant Christina, you know, or Jake? Have you guys considered them? And, and Satan will, oh, all right, I'll try them out. Now, some people will say, Lord, why would you put me in this? But the Lord will use the devil just for your growth. Yeah. Not that they're in cahoots together, but, you know, go ahead and try them out. He's not going to sin because I had taken him past this point. So the Lord is also very proud of us that he wants to present us. So if you're really a believer, all hell is going to break loose in your life. Okay, that's for a real believer. You may have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, but hell will proceed in your life as a true believer. Okay, so. Yeah, most church people today, they don't want Satan anywhere near them. Like, it's just an act. Mm -hmm. You know, like some of the preachers will say today, oh, just tell the devil to stop bothering you. Well, if you're even on, like, Satan's not going to do anything to you unless you are a threat to him. That's right. Unless you've made some sort of oath with him like movie stars and music stars do, but he still gets rid of them after he's done. When he's done with them, right. It's like if you're a blip on his radar, that means that you're bringing the kingdom of heaven to everyone right. around you and he wants to stop you. And that should even grow our faith, you know, mm -hmm. to get to get to where we are. And it's just like with what you brought up earlier about the spirit of slothfulness and everything. It's like, or with the boxing... It's going to take a training. It's going to take us pursuing and getting stronger into the Lord. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, as stronger we get, we're going to go through trials and tribulations. So our faith is just that much stronger. Yeah, man. Henry Groover. See, people sit up there and they listen to him. Like, man, Henry's just awesome. The love of God is in him and all that he's done. And everyone sits there and they watch his, his videos and things like that. But they don't understand what that man has done and what he's had to go through in order to receive those rewards. Mm -hmm. As far as like Christina was talking about slothfulness, you know, and how laborers will receive their rewards. But people don't understand what that man has been through. He's been um, covered with cancer to the point where he was near death. And his um, doctor said, well, you got about six more months. And Henry Groover said, I'm not sick. And the doctor was looking at him like, man, you're in a delusion. Like, you're gray and you're frail and covered. You know, in tumors, you're done. But the Lord delivered him. Henry Groover died in a car accident. You know, um, died for, I think, minutes or, like, something. And the Lord brought him back to life. So he's been through all kinds of stuff in order to be the man that you see with the love of God filled in him today. But everybody wants that, but nobody wants to go through what it takes to get there. Sacrifice. Pressures of privilege, having that relationship with God to mm -hmm. that point where the um, Satan's trying to attack you and bring you down. Right. The devil has made millions of dollars on TV by the get-rich-quick schemes. <laughs> want to lose belly fat? Here's how you do it. You know, want to do this? Want to be this guy? Oh, here, you can make a million dollars in six months. All these programs that people buy to be in this, no one wants to go through. Everybody wants immediate results. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the temple of God, which is us, it takes sacrifice in the temple to build that temple and have the presence of the God of God there uh, very strong. 
don't go there. But, you know, uh, Genesis 5 and 22, Enoch pleased the Lord and he was taken by God. You know, uh, you go to Genesis 6. Let's go to Genesis 6. <laughs> Are you done with Job? Job. Job? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I am done with Job trying to get another. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody called it job at one point. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> it's not like you speak another language. You done with job? <laughs> yes, I was fired. Yeah, just kidding. Um, all right, Genesis 6 and 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also was flesh, yet his days shall be in a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, that they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And this is where you would get your Zeus and everything else, but this isn't a subject, so I'll let it go tonight. But this is where you get all these this talk of heroes and things like that in the world, because at one time this did happen. And God saw that the, um, saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. A uh, quick point. Some people would say, well, you know why God wants to destroy man, but why would God destroy the beast and the creeping things of the earth? Um, if you read other texts, like the book of Enoch, um, I'm not calling it scripture, but it definitely pours light on what was going on. The book of Jasher, which the Bible does mention, you know, is a valid account. But, you know, if you notice when you go to Leviticus, the Bible tells you, you shall not lie with a man like you lie with an animal because, you know, it's an abomination. Well, in this time, this is also what was occurring, which is why even the animals themselves were corrupted bestiality was taking place. The fallen angels and giants were doing this and was teaching man how to do this. So, you know, with all that stuff going on, that even Jesus says, or, or the Lord says in, um, in Exodus or Leviticus, don't lie with a man like you lie with an animal. It will bring, what did he say? It brings confusion, which is perversion, which is true. People that are involved in bestiality, there's nothing that they won't do. I mean, if you can stoop this low, I mean, what's next? There's nothing to stop what you would do. So this is why the Lord had to even destroy the animals, because it makes clear the animals are not the same. When you engage, a, all a dog knows how to be is a dog. When you got your dog laying in your bed and you and your dog are doing things, he's now your lover. Okay, so it's different. He's not a pet anymore. He even, oh man, I don't even want to go there. But the thing is, is that, this is the type of stuff why God had to destroy even the animals because they became perverse from what he had um, called for them to be. But verse 8 says, 
but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, so we understand here with all this that was done, the Lord acknowledged that Noah was a good man and through violence, you know, and all the things that were going on in the earth, the Lord had to destroy them, the corruption that was there. So the Lord's eyes are on the just. They are on the holy. They are on those that are obedient because they're so few and far between. So when you find people that are doing right, even in impossible situations like this, the Lord always looks for the holy individual because through them, through those willing vessels are those that he can get his will done through. But if you're just like the world or you're entangled in the world, then how can he even deliver what he needs to? You're linked to the world. So that needs to be taken out of us. So everybody knows the story of Noah. I don't need to go there anymore, but let's go to Deuteronomy 8 and 10, 18 and 10. I mean, this world is becoming more and more defiled, and there won't be the churches that'll be attacked. It'll be little small groups like this that are hanging on to the truth in Christ. I'm not saying there aren't people in church doing it, because I don't want any emails or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, things like this will happen. Well, if the... One second, guys. I just saw something that I'm thinking about presenting here. I'm like, hmm. Go ahead. What were you saying? I was going to say, if the Bible says, if, God, if Jesus Christ says that the way is narrow, if the gate is narrow and the way is narrow, then that means they can go ahead and tell you right there that the real body of Christ is very lean. Mm -hmm. Small. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because this is broad is the way that leads to destruction and many be there fi that be that find it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you have all these masses of people, it's not what the scripture says. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it is a very small few that take the Bible as a whole and say, okay, well, this is what the scriptures actually says. Mm -hmm. Instead of just trying to pick it apart, like was mentioned earlier, and use that one or two verses for their agenda. It's like, no, you have to take the whole the whole scripture because this is Jesus Christ. It's not just a book. Right. This is it's He is the living and written word. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, all these words, you know, we covered that with the Jehovah Witness teaching. They like to exclude him from the um the New Test the Old Testament. But I mean here he is the Lord, just like his father. Alright, Deuteronomy eighteen and nine and it says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee Thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. We covered that with Moloch. That useth divination. That's a um, fortune teller. Okay, you ever had your palm read and all that? That's an abomination before the Lord. Or an observer of times. That's astrology. When you start talking about Virgo, Gemini, this, that, and that, it's an abomination to the Lord. Because any man that's built over in Christ or follows the Lord, you have the nature of Christ. John Todd said that he used to tell people um, when they would ask him what was his sign, he said the sign of the cross. <laughs> the sign of the blood of Jesus. Because 
I do believe that the horoscopes, you really do act like those particular things. Mm -hmm. But when you're born again, the only nature you have is Christ. And I do believe there might be some significance somewhere in heaven because God totally created all the stars and patterns that you see there. But I think it was forbidden for man to know because God knew that man would worship this stuff, yeah. you know, and, and take their eyes off of God. So he says, an observer of times, that's astrology, uh, or an enchanter, that's a um, hypnotist or a witch, or a charmer or a consulter of familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. A necromancer is someone that consorts with the dead. Okay, a lot of people want to, you know, hear from old dead family members and do all that stuff. You're really dealing with a familiar spirit. You're not dealing with your family. And a lot of people have said my husband or my wife came back to visit me when they died. And, you know, they were in the room with me and they showed me love and they talked to me every night. The Bible says that the dead know nothing when they go. So what you're dealing with is a familiar spirit that would hang around your family, know all the members of your family. Remember certain incidents that you grew up, you know, things that you've done. And these same spirits can imitate family members and will tell you people have had some deep experiences. Hey, remember when you and I, our first date was here and there? And it's a familiar spirit. The person's dead. But that information can be passed on. So while we're sitting in this room, even, even right now, there might be familiar spirits that are hanging around trying to learn everything about you. I know that sounds creepy, but it's the truth. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which uh, thou shalt possess, hearken unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. So the Lord is saying if the heathen is doing that, that's their business. But if you're going to walk with me, you've got to get rid of that stuff. And that's one reason why I don't deal in holidays, because even in Galatians 4, they talked about that they observe times. They've done this. They've done all these different days. Holidays are observing times. You're saying that some days are more special than others when the Lord wants every day to be a day about his work, mm -hmm. especially that they're following other gods and doing other things. So, I mean, you know. Everybody's going to do what they want, but I pay attention to what the Bible says. Every day we should be celebrating that we are alive and be thankful that we're alive, graceful, and we should be mm -hmm. praying for others and we should be giving and cheerfully giving to others, not just on Christmas, but trying to help others as well. Or Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Be daily, yeah. To be daily serving daily the Lord. Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. All right. What's next? Anybody want to add anything else? Uh, there was something I was going to read here, but I don't think it's important. But I know that Moses, no, matter of fact, let's go there. Numbers 12. Because the Lord will protect those who are just, those who are holy. You got to be careful about who you say things about, because if they're a son of God, then you're dealing with God too. You know, you talk about God, it's like if someone, no parent would let any 
body talk about their children. I know women where their son was a murderer, rapist, killed people, all that, in jail now, you know? And you can say something like, man, he was a murderer. He needs to get his life together. And the mother would say, that's my son. You don't talk about my son or whatever. And I'm like, that's probably the reason he's in jail now, you know, <laughs> enabling. But, man, they are just so... It should offend you when people talk negative about your God. Mm -hmm. Because if you're one of his, you wouldn't let anyone talk about your dad like that or I your mom. Yeah. I heard something in the Bible, too, though. Like, once your children are old enough, to, you're supposed to separate from them. And, I mean, you bear them and you um, guide them as their children and supposed to give them, like, the word of God. But once they're adults, like, you're supposed to separate yourself. If their choices are their own, you can't. Well, yeah, I mean, you could, I, I think in some ways you can guide still because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I even call my parents sometimes, hey, dad, this is what's up, you know, and he's like, you know, talk to me, but he'll always inject the Bible or my mom will or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, you're right. Christ should be the central focus, but enabling people is something you don't want to do because mm -hmm. your love for your child is not enough if he hasn't experienced the love of God. You're right. You you eventually need to have a relationship yourself. And, you know, sometimes you're going to make wrong decisions. I grew up in a Christian home, and I did everything that was unchristian until the Lord had to come and see me. I mean, that's just, you know, changes that need to be made. All right, Numbers 12 and verse 1. Everyone there? And it says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he hath married an Ethiopian woman. So they're speaking against him. They're racist here. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, meaning he was humble, you know, above all of the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly to Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation, and they and the three came out. So the Lord was upset here because Aaron and uh, Miriam, two people that were in the group, the Lord gave Moses the lead. And this is Moses' brother and sister speaking against him like, well, won't the Lord hear us? Why is he talking to Moses? Well, they're about to find out. Verse 5, And the Lord came down uh, to the came down in the pillar of the cloud, and stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a, in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently... Uh, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall be shall he behold. Uh, wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So we're trying to understand here. Moses had a special place with the Lord. Moses was a meek man. He was the one that the Lord chose to lead the group, the, to lead the people out of Israel. He said, you know, other prophets in the past, I might have talked to, you know, called them out and they hear my voice or in a dream or something. He said, but let's get one thing clear. Moses and I speak face to face. Like, in other words, that's my boy. That's my friend. Make no mistake. I talk to him because this is who I want to converse with. 
So um, he's correcting them right now. He says, you got the nerve to speak against my servant Moses and have no fear. Moses does everything I'm telling him to do. You guys do things when you feel like it or you get secondhand information and you're going to complain against him. You don't even know me. That's the point that God is making. It's like, whoa, you have no relationship and you're speaking against the child of God. Rough stuff. Verse 9. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, At last, my Lord, I beseech, ye, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, uh, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. So they wanted to be done right. Miriam eventually did change back. But the point I'm making here with this is Moses was a man that knew God. And this is why I guess the Lord will tell you pray for your enemies because he can deal with it himself. If you really are a follower of God, you don't know what's happening with other people. Because some people get done dirty by people in the world and automatically you think, all right, well, I need to take revenge. I need to deal with this situation. I need to report them. When the Lord is like, you know, you don't know if that person goes home and has nightmares. You don't know what they're experiencing in their life that the Lord may be dealing with. So we really should wish people well, even when they hate us, because you don't know what, how the Lord is going to deal with that. But the Bible says that vengeance is God's. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can't afford to depart from holiness for the sake of someone wronging us because the Lord will intercede and deal with the situation. Exactly. Trey doing all right? Yeah, I mean, okay. I'm assuming. Okay. All right, so it's Psalm, uh, let's go to Psalm 10 and 1. No, Psalm 101 and 1, sorry. But look at what the Lord desires, even for those, you know, followers. If you really want to know what it is to have love for the Lord, one, you want to have relationship Two, I would I would suggest reading Psalms because David had a heart after the Lord. You compare his heart with yours, and it's like not even close. I love that I read often. Or oh, a Psalm, right? Ninety-one and twenty-three. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, Psalm one hundred one and one. He says, "I will sing of mercy and judgment unto Thee, O Lord. Will I sing? I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way." Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. So the heart itself has to be perfect. I will set no wicked thing upon mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. What's a froward heart? A froward heart is a perverse heart. Okay, so your heart has to even be right. Whoso therefore slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that have a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. So even being proud is, is far from holiness. You know, we need to be, we got to get rid of even pride to walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. So it says, I will not know a wicked person. Now, how many people can say that? This is also speaking of separation. We all know wicked people. But what he's saying is, I won't even suffer myself to even be with a wicked person. I don't know them. What they do is their business. I'm over here with the Lord. All right, so he says, Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that have a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. 
So slandering. I mean, when you when you hear slander going on, the Lord is telling you, excuse yourself. Don't even be around it. You know, when that's going on, uh, his neighbor, uh, uh, slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that having high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. So you don't even have to be proud. You can have a proud look and it bothers God. You know, just how when a kid corrects a grown-up over something, you know, the parent may say this and the kid's like, no, actually it says it right here. And you see some parents turn the stone over that. Or shut up, stay in a child's place. Or they, you know, well, I know when I was in school, you know, that's how it was with me. I mean, man, lose your pride. I'm wrong. Oh, good one, son. Good one. You know, all right, well, let's just get it going. Hey, nice work. But pride will make you turn against even people that you're trying to teach when they teach you something. And then, it's, well, first of all, you don't even know. You know, and then they bring up something from your past. <laughs> try and like lower you and pride is an ugly thing mm -hmm. so he says mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me so the faithful walk with God and he that walketh in a perfect way he shall serve me he that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house and he that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. So we can't afford to be proud. We can't be perverse. Our hearts have to be pure. Like we read in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, temperance, meekness, and faith. You need these things. This is a part of your spiritual growth. But the only way to get there is through obedience and loving the Lord. Everybody understand that? Move on. Okay. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. But I mean, you know, this world and TV, TV can be dangerous, man, because it desensitizes you to things that you wouldn't normally be. It should bother you. Like, I'll give you an example. Something on the news, you hear someone being shot. Or some old lady robbed. I mean, that should prick you in your heart. But we watch so much of the news and we watch so many movies about bad stuff. You just sit there, you know, a woman shot seven times. And then this is our reaction. It's like, yeah, that's messed up. But there's no real, you know, feeling of, oh, man, like this is terrible. So you become desensitized through violence, video games, all sorts of stuff where it becomes the norm. And that's why he says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Watching wickedness, it desensitizes you. Mm -hmm. All right, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So that's why you get people saying they're Christian, they don't read their Bible, I'll tell them straight out, you're a liar. All right, you, you gotta be, you're a liar if you believe you're a Christian and you don't read this. Why? Because this makes you perfect. This brings the correction. If you want to know what God is or what he's about, and I might be speaking rough saying person's a liar, but if you want to be an effective Christian and believing in Christ, You've got to know what the Lord says. You've got to know what his will is, what he wants, what his desires are. 
You know, this is how you enter into relationship. This is why you can go into a false church and the pastor could be up there, you know, preaching, yeah, 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 making everybody feel good. But then he'll mess around and say something. You're like, wait a minute, that's not in the scripture. You know, so you always want to make sure that you know this word. Because, I mean, a lot of churches, man, you get in there, you have a good time. You'll sweat. You'll dance. You'll have fun. But on top of that, so what was the sermon about? I don't even know. I just, I was just happy, man. We got to dancing and, you know, showing love. So, all right, great way to waste time, you know. But, hey, I grew up in some of those churches. You didn't know who was going to shout or who was going to get the spirit that day. You'd be sitting, and the old lady just jump up. And she's like, you know, down the aisle, and she's shaking and everything. And you're like, man, what is this? <laughs> but you can't. And that's the thing. You can't find, and I'm not going to speak against what's spiritual, but you go to some of these churches. How come the Bible doesn't talk about anybody falling out all over the place and going through convulsions and doing this stuff. So, you know, there is a, a, a so-called spirit. I wanted to do a teaching on it. You guys can look it up. But it's called the spirit of Bacchus. And it's B-A-C-C-U, I mean H-U-S. But it's the spirit of Bacchus, which says it's kind of like a drunken spirit or a spirit that makes a person feel drunk. But you got it from the days of this god named Bacchus and they would drink and get crazy and do crazy things and seem to be out of control, you know, on the floor, on your side, doing the three stooges, going around in a circle, you know. So you guys want to look up the spirit of Bacchus. We actually have it on one of the links. I can't remember what teaching it was, though. So, you know, all things, all the scripture is for, you know, correction, doctrine, reproof, you know, instruction for righteousness. This is just the Lord purging us of sin, being washed by the water of the word to be made perfect in Christ. Most people that will tell you you can't be made perfect in Christ, they don't even read their Bible. So there's no point even trying to convince them otherwise. We got to read the scripture for what it says. If he says that um, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, then God's not a liar. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. Colossians uh, 1 and 26. Does, I mean, bring this up to somebody you know that's in the church and watch them tell you, <laughs> But you can't be perfect. You know, no one can do that. That's what the devil wants you to believe. He wants you to accept some sin in your life that that's okay. This is good enough. Because he knows if you keep striving, keep pursuing Christ, oh man, he's got another little Jesus walking around here. Another Christian. Of perfect. Two definitions of perfect. There's one is matured. Oh yeah. That's right. The Lord's, which is in the Bible, about being mature in Christ. Exactly. And perfected in the spirit. Yep. That's true. All right. Colossians 1, we'll start at verse 26. It says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So the Holy Ghost was a mystery to them in the past, but to the saints today we have the spirit. Mm -hmm. To whom God would make known 
what is the riches of his glory of his, of the of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you notice how he said here that the Gentiles, it was a mystery to them up until now, because Gentiles didn't walk in God's laws, statutes, and commandments. Gentiles celebrated Christmas. Mm -hmm. You know, Gentiles were into Easter and all this other stuff that they push on the people today. So that's why when you tell people that certain things are not right, people look at you strange. Well, this is what we were raised in. Well, I'm sorry, you were raised in the way outside of Christ. There's no other way to put it. But Christ in us is the hope of glory, whom we preach warning uh, every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that he may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his work, which worketh in me mightily. So this would even speak against the spirit of sloth right here, because he's talking about laboring and striving and working. We have to work our way to that point. Now, some people would say you're preaching works. I'm not preaching works. I'm talking about for a believer. As a believer believes, the more that the Lord will put on him to do the things of God. Mm -hmm. But to be slothful or to just, you know, labor, man, that's something we got to deal with. Because I can feel like over three weeks ago, man, I was deteriorating fast. It's not that I didn't care. I cared, but... There was a part of me that just didn't have the strength to continue. Now, I told everybody I'm good and I believe God. I do believe God. But it hit me so heavy that it was like, man, you're home, you know, and you're not doing the, you know, working and doing all this other stuff. What's going to happen next? So the, the devil will even try and put the spirit of worry in your life. Mm -hmm. And worrying is a sin. How many people knew that? It's a sin to worry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the kind of faith that we have to have in God. Ephesians 4 and 11, right next door. But it will get easier, because I know this sounds like a bunch of rules, but what we're speaking about today is a nature, and the way to have that nature done is, one, to separate, to elevate. We cannot be around the things that are unholy and walk a holy walk with God. They just don't go together. Believe me, I've tried. I tried to take everything through that door with me. It doesn't work. I mean, I tried to bring couch, TV, you know, friends that I grew up with that were no good. It doesn't work. Ephesians 4 and 11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of this ministry, of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we need apostles, we need prophets, we need teachers, we need evangelists, all right? We need pastors for perfecting the saints. Now, some people don't like correction. There are people that have come here, sat here, heard about all this stuff. You never saw them again. Why? Because you have to do something. Because some people, you try and preach the ways of God, and they'll tell you, well, that works. So I'm like, well, you don't want to do anything, huh? You just want to sit around and do absolutely nothing and think that you're coming into the kingdom of God. Not going to happen. Faith alone can't save you, and neither can works. Mm -hmm. You have to have the faith, and a man of faith in God will have good works. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. You know, we've gone over this scripture quite a bit. But you don't build faith by not testing it. 
which takes work. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and testing, I mean, that could be just even just learning the Bible. Because Sarah, Ryan, and I, we joke a lot about what happened to us a month ago. The reason is, is because we sat up in here for weeks, months, a year, talking about God and his grace and all that he would do. And you know what, man? Don't let the devil, you know, do anything to you. We've got to trust in God no matter what. Now, Sarah, Ryan, and I had the biggest mouths in here, especially Sarah and I, talking about trusting the Lord no matter what you go through and this and that. And the Lord said, okay, we'll see. And we didn't know. We went to work that day. Sorry, guys. Your services are no longer needed in this community. And I mean, you know, we left, but it was kind of like, can you believe that that just happened? Like, they're joking, right? I just woke up and I'm out of work today. But the Lord will allow you to be tested. And mm -hmm. people sitting up in the dark trying to get all emotional, you know, um, sitting there, you know, listening to a nice song about the Lord. And you got tears rolling from your eyes and you sitting there. Yeah, Lord, you are the only one. The Lord is like, okay, we'll see. Because, you know, this thing ain't built on emotionalism. Is Christ formed in you? Can you stand against what's going on? I mean, I know the Lord had to test us. Like, Derek's been running his mouth quite a bit lately. We'll find out what he's worth. Find out what he's about. Hopefully, so far, I'm passing my exam. But um, 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? That's true. I mean, you never see light and dark together. Mm -hmm. Either the room is lit up or the, or the lights are out. There's no in-between there. Um, uh, verse 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Belial is like another name for Satan, another name of the devil. So imagine Jesus and the devil having lunch together. Imagine those two hanging out together, two different separate natures all together. All right, um, and, and what hath a believer with an infidel? So if you're not a believer in Christ or following the ways of Christ, you're pretty much equated to a man not looking after his family or a dog. Infidel here is like a type of dog because, you know, dogs run around and mess around with everything. So it's kind of like you're considered a pig or a dog not following the ways of God. And I know that I was a beast when I wasn't. Verse uh, 16. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. So they first talk about no idols in the temple. That can even be no idolatry within you, no putting anything before the Lord. Then it says, For are the temple of the for ye are the temple of the living God. So this is the value that the Lord has placed on us. We don't even belong to ourselves, okay? We belong to the Lord. So the Lord is telling us the most that we can be in this body is a caretaker for him. He'll give you your husband. He'll give you your wife. He'll give you the things that you need. But you're just a caretaker for this. If you're doing things outside of the will of God, pretty much you're riding around with a stolen car, okay? You're a thief. <laughs> you're a body snatcher. You're taking something that doesn't even belong to you, and you're using it for your pleasure. So this is why the Lord takes doing his will very seriously. Uh, verse 17. So you can only be God's people if you walk in his ways. Mm -hmm. You know, so he said, once they, you know, they are the temple, 
I will walk and dwell in them. Now, the Holy Ghost will indwell a dirty person. He'll, he'll indwell a believer, but they may be dirty. So where some people think, okay, I found the Lord. Now the Lord and I walk together. The Holy Ghost is like, wait a minute, hold up. I got to clean this nasty place out, you know, in order for you to be right with us. So he will indwell a dirty place only to have it fixed up and cleansed to be presentable to God. Okay, so some people can say, well, I believe God and I've got the Holy Ghost. You may, but the point is, is that there's still the sanctification process that needs to take place that we're all experiencing and we'll all go through. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. So this is an if and then statement. If you touch not the unclean things, God will receive you. So how can you be once saved, always saved, and you're dealing in the world? That's impossible. You have to be away from that which is unclean to walk with God. Because he's not going to meet you over there. He may send the Holy Ghost to grab you and bring you back, but the Holy Ghost ain't going to be partying with you over there, you know? All right, verse 18. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty, the Lord Almighty. So, you know, that's just telling us that we need to be like Christ. Mm -hmm. And people can take it for what it's worth. I know they'll fight me on this. I know I'll get some email about the Bible says that no man is without sin. And, you know, never believe when people tell you stuff like that. Because the Bible, what Paul, you got to understand what he was talking about that men do sin. But if he says that we can be made perfect in Christ, then we can be made perfect. It's true. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You repent and you move forward. But perfection in Christ is the goal. It's to have a fulfilling of the Holy Ghost to live in you. And those who may have just a small portion of those without the Holy Ghost will contest this. That can't be done. If I can stop cursing, and I know that that was one of my biggest things, then why can't I conquer all those sins? Okay, so the devil will tell you, you can only go by so far. No, you can't. You can go as far as the Holy Ghost will take you. And that's a fulfilling. That's why Philippians 4.13 says what it says. Quote it, bro. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Absolutely. All things. It didn't say some. It didn't say half. It said all things. People, well, that just means they're talking about this. Never lower your standards. If the Lord is trying to lift you up, then go up with him. You know, if he's telling you you can be holy, then Lord, I'm believing that. Show me how. I used to think I, like, you didn't have to, um, like, you can pick and choose which sins or that we all sin. Mm, me too. Once you know, saved, Lord. always saved. Uh -huh. um, but once you start reading the word, you realize, I mean, he says it so many different places of things you're not supposed to do or you mm -hmm. won't get to the kingdom of God. And mm -hmm. that you are able through with Christ to be able to overcome. We are supposed to be overcomers. That's right. Preach. Second <laughs> <laughs> no. Corinthians 7. Uh, having therefore, this is just right here. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and a spirit, uh, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. So you see what's necessary? When you say fear of God, some people would say, well, that just means respect. No, that means fear. 
The Bible says, fear he who can throw you in heaven or hell. I think that's plenty of reason to be afraid. Mm -hmm. But when you fear the Lord, you take him seriously. You know, even if you meet some fine chick, I mean, I'm talking to men out there or whatever, you meet some fine girl you want to take home. And I mean, you know, you might actually be in the car with them headed to their house, but then you're like, wait a minute, man. The Lord's not going to be happy with this. Um, I got to go. I'm not feeling too well. But that's the kind of fear you should have. Like, wait a minute. I know I said yes, but Lord, I got to get out of this before I mess up. <laughs> so, you know, it's almost like you're real dead in the world looking for you. So you seen Johnny? <laughs> he was supposed to be home by seven. All right. So it says um, perfect holiness. Uh, verse two. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you. For I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying uh, of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. So, you know, even when this thing comes upon you, you're supposed to be joyous that you got to suffer with the Lord. That's a compliment. I know churches tell you your lives will be perfect, but, you know, you have tribulation and things going on in your life. I'm not going to lie. I can tell that I've grown over the past year or two because when this happened to me, I was just so... Like, Lord, you said this would happen, you know, maybe I'll get thrown in jail and we can really get this thing going, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm in this for you. I'm like one of the disciples. I'm not saying ascend, like mentally ascend to this, but when things happen, that's how you're supposed to feel. A Christian is supposed to be to the world crazy. Like when someone tells you, man, you believe in Jesus Christ, I'll kill you. And you say, promise? You know, sudden death, sudden glory. I get to be with the Lord. Absent from the body is to be present with God. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but a Christian should have no fear of death, knowing that God is his head. You know, God is everything to you. Exactly. When they tell you they'll fire you, well, Lord, I get to be like you. You know, you're excited about it. You know, got your little resume together. See, Lord, I lost my job for you. All right, uh, verse 5. For when we were come unto uh, Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, uh, with them were fears. So these people were fighting and fearful, even while they were going and preaching the gospel. But look what it says in verse 6. Nevertheless, God that, com that comforteth those uh, that are cast down comforteth us by the coming of Titus. So Titus was another guy that was with them. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told you uh, your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. For though I made uh, you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceived that the same epistle had uh, made you sorry though it were but for a season. So Paul is bringing correction to them here, you know, and I'm sure the Corinthians didn't want to hear it, you know, at first, but he's saying, you know, don't be afraid of God's correction and what he's doing with you here. You know, he's only preaching to you out of love. And some people, we become so thin-skinned 
that you can't tell anybody about sin. Everybody's accepted. Everything is perfect. Homosexuals can go to heaven. You know, everybody's just going to make it in and it's just going to be glorious. The true story is for those who are not walking in the ways of God, the only place for you is hell. Mm -hmm. But see, they, they try and remove the idea of hell in the world so you'll have no fear. The reason why there's less fear of the Lord today is because there's less speaking of hell. There's less speaking of eternal punishment and things that can happen to you. All right, 1 Corinthians 10 and 19, since we're here. But, you know, we will not do anything that we don't believe. If you believe that you'll come through this and you'll still have lots of sin in your life and, you know, you did your, you've done your best, you know, then that's your belief. But for those who want to be perfected in Christ, like Jake said, you know, Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But for those people who only want to go by so far and they believe it's okay, Hey, there's nothing you can convince them otherwise other than read the Bible for themselves. The Lord is calling a higher people to do a higher work. And you know, it's true that the Lord wants us to come as we are, but nowhere in Scripture did it ever say you would stay as you were. Mm -hmm. That's right. Go forward in Jesus Christ. That's right. So people who are propagating that, I mean, it's total nonsense for them to say that. You will want to be changed if you want to move forward in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Yes, you will. That's what he's looking for, the willing vessel. 1 Corinthians 10 and 19, What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? Like, no big deal. You worship idols and God loves you. This is what he's saying. Uh, verse 20, But I say that the things which, are, which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. So this is telling you, all these sacrifices and holidays and things that people are into, I don't care what name you put on it, the origin of that name belonged to another God. If it didn't come from heaven, if God didn't tell you to do it, then why are you doing it? That's all it is. And hey, man, I was a big lover of Christmas and all that stuff, man. I mean... But you come to the reality, Lord, if this is what you want, then let your will be done, not mine. Mm -hmm. And that's when you know you're growing in Christ. Lord, what do you desire for me? Verse 21, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Or are we stronger than he? Now, if you love the Lord, why would you want to provoke him to jealousy? Why would you even want to go there? And I, the question Paul is asking, are you stronger than God? <laughs> I know you want this in your house, but the question is, can you take on if God decided to get jealous and deal with you? Mm -hmm. You know, with what's going on? So you got to treat him like a family member. There's no woman in here that would have another woman living in their house, okay? Or with some marriage clause that he can have two wives. You guys, come on. Y'all would throw him out and that woman. Let's be real here, or you would leave. So the Lord is saying, how can you have another God aside, you know, with me? And I've been everything to you. And you're just bringing more gods in, you know, saying, Lord, I know I got my time with you, but you see this little Buddha over here, you know, I mean, it's I'm just having respect to the Buddhist, and 
I believe Buddha was a good man. And, you know, that sickle moon and star, don't pay any attention. That's just, you know, Allah. Because, you know, we believe that that's your name in another language. If it doesn't go with the doctrine that God calls us to have, it's another God. If it's not in this Bible, it's another God. Plain and simple. Mm -hmm. There's no way to, um, you know, go around it. All right, Matthew 19 and 16. This is one of our favorite stories. Another wannabe God. There's no one God. Exactly. And you can make anything your God, but it won't be the God of the Bible, and it won't be the one true God. Not the capital G, God. You know, it'll be some little God. Matthew 19 and 16. It says, almost there, Jack? Yeah. Yeah. Matthew 19 and 16 says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. I mean, there is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, we've gone over this before with the confusion. Some people would say, Well, Jesus didn't call himself God. Jesus didn't say, Why are you calling me God? He said, um, Why are you calling me good? There is none good but God. Meaning like, you know, only those with the nature of God can call Jesus or call God good. Okay, only good knows what's good. Okay, you can't be someone bad and calling themselves good. So this guy was kind of kissing up to Jesus, and we're going to see why he said what he said. Verse 18, he saith unto him, which Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt not, I mean, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth, uh, my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard this saying, I mean, heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So this is why Jesus wasn't going for any of his soft soap talk about, good master, what must I do to be good? Jesus is like, why are you calling me good? Like, you don't even believe that I'm good. Okay, because if you believe I'm good, you would obey what I'm about to tell you in a few lines. Okay, so if he was good, if the guy really thought so, he would do what Jesus asked. But as you see, he chose the possessions of this world. Just like the parable of the sower. Some people didn't want to hear the word. Some received it with joy. When they found out that things would be hard, they walked away from it, you know. And then you got some that knew the truth, that accepted it. But when it came to the cares of this life or the things of this world, you know, their possessions, things that they love, they chose them over God. Okay, and then there are some that fell on the good ground that will forsake anything for the Lord. The Lord's not saying here that you can't have things. He's saying that nothing can come before him. He has to be the central focus. 
that means mother or son, you know, daughter or husband or wife or whatever. Jesus has to be the main thing in your world and everything else you'll follow. Why? Because you'll make that other thing your God in place of him. Mm -hmm. <sighs> All right, so the guy walked away. He had many great possessions. This is verse 23. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard this, they were exceeding amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? So this tells you here that the disciples wanted to be rich. So he was just breaking down to them like, you know, this is what's going on. So they're saying, all right, who can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So what God is he talking about? Christ being formed in you. Mm -hmm. God only deals with God. He doesn't deal with you and I because he knows we're too filthy. So our goal is to get into Christ. Christ gets into us and our mission is complete. Yeah. I was going to ask if I could read something real quick about... Um, well, I knew Lord, you were looking for something. <laughs> the Lord not being called by another name. No, go ahead. Um, it's Isaiah 42, 6 and 6 through 8. I, the Lord, have called thee unto righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for the, a light unto the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. That's right. Amen. You know, he is the Lord. Mm -hmm. And when you go further, you'll find out that's Jesus Christ. Exactly. You know, so they can say what they want, but that was he was that God of the Old Testament. We covered that, though. All right, let's look at verse um, 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? So they're making a comparison. Peter and them can actually say it. And Jesus didn't say it to them, No, you didn't. Because you got that Twix in your pocket. You know, you've been stealing food or you've been hanging out here and there. So these guys can actually speak righteously because of the fact that they're actually doing it. Mm -hmm. So Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his uh, glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, um, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So this is what the Lord is giving them in place of what they have forsaken. But notice he said, in the regeneration. We have to understand this Bible from Genesis unto Revelation is about a regeneration. It's about a conversion from Adam unto Jesus Christ at the end of time. Notice the beginning is Genesis, genes. You know, so when Satan did what he did to them, he changed their genetics. Man became susceptible to sin. Man had a lowly nature. Man was void of God. So what Jesus Christ came back to do is to regenerate, regenerate us to, to be a part of him, to walk with him. Mm -hmm. So that's why he says to go through the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. So that tells you, you know, the, also the glorified bodies, things that will be changed in us. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. 
There's celestial bodies and there's terrestrial bodies. The Lord is going to give us glorified bodies that are without spot, without blemish, without sin, without corruption. So this is the goal. When we are resurrected on that last day to be with Christ, the Bible says we will be like him. You know, so the glory of God will cover us. I believe these bodies are what Adam and Eve had before they fell. Because when they fell, you know, and, and there's, the sin came upon them, they recognized that they were naked. So they became self-conscious and not God-conscious. So I believe that what we're going to get back is what Adam and Eve lost. All right, verse 29. And everyone that have uh, forsaken houses or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. What does he mean by that? Anybody know? Last and first. Last here, first with the Lord. You know? You might look like you don't have much. There ain't much going on in your life. You got all this stuff going on. The rich man is living it up lavish. He's got it all. So you're, you're considered last in this, in this world, and they're considered first. Mm -hmm. But what's going to happen in God's kingdom, one, the rich man won't even be there, but there's going to be a reversal. Okay? Those that forsaken everything for the Lord... Will the Lord put first? And those that are having their best life now, like the lion Joel Osteen tells you, they'll be last in the kingdom of God, or they won't even make it into the kingdom. True. So those that forsake everything, and, and they look like, man, you're not gaining much. Mm -hmm. You give up all that for Christ, he'll put you first. Those who want to be first without him will be last. And I don't mean last getting in. That means, you know, <laughs> you're on the tail end of whatever happens from here lower you go the higher you go with prayer. right and we will not be all given the same rewards in the, the same rewards in heaven mm -hmm. um they said that you'll be um what labors you put in is what you get out the more you do for the kingdom of god there are rewards upon that which we do and i mean those that don't do as much or whatever the lord determines who gets what mm -hmm. but it's all about your faithfulness and your commitment to the lord so everybody's not going to get the same thing in heaven Everybody doesn't deserve the same thing in heaven. All right, let's be realistic. There are some people that have labored for the Lord that never ceased. There are others, you know, they may get in just by the skin of their teeth. You know, I mean, but either way, you're saved. I mean, however you can get in. But he's going to give rewards to those that are worthy of those rewards. I know you all think that ain't fair, huh? Well, it's also kind of still <laughs> the whole study that... Um, you know, it is possible for us to become perfect with the Lord and work everything out and um, be righteous. Because if it wasn't, then we wouldn't, like it only says to get into the kingdom of God, you have to do these things. If you can't have sin in, God, in the kingdom, in heaven, mm -hmm. you know, then that would make it dirty. It's not supposed to be a place that is dirty. It's holy. It's pure. Exactly. So you can't expect that if you're sitting down here that you will be able to go up there and be pure. And not great point. I mean, and like we talked about before, people of the world don't even recognize that without holiness, 
the Lord could allow you to go to heaven, but you wouldn't even like it there. It is so different from your nature. If you don't like the correction you're getting now, what do you think is going to be up there? You think it's just going to change for you and everything's going to be great? No, it's going to be the same stuff that you don't like to hear. It would be held to you in heaven. So the Lord is going to put everybody where their nature enjoys to be. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22. What time is it? I don't want to overdo it like I do sometimes. The credits will be rolling and I'm still talking. <laughs> Movie's over. Go to commercial. Yeah. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22. It says... Abstain from all appearances of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, faithful is he that calleth you, whom also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the, I mean, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all of the holy brethren. Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Yeah, and I just recognized something that I did. And Lord, please pick that away from me. Thanks for oh, <laughs> I'm telling everybody else to do it, and I'm like, so, you know, even the appearance of evil, even me standing outside of a club ministering, if it's not clear that that's what I'm doing, it looks like evil. It looks like I'm involved in something no good. You know, like, hey, man, ain't that, what's his name? You know, when you're there talking, now you could be laying down the law. Hey, the Lord wants this, he wants that. But to the world, it appears like you're up to no good. Like, why are they over in the corner talking? That doesn't look right. You know, what's this married man doing getting in this woman's car driving off? You know what I'm saying? So it's just, he's saying, escape those things that would even give you a reputation as such. Mm -hmm. All right. Hopefully I didn't ruin that. Um, all right. First John uh, 3. First John 3 and verse 1. But considering it was the only one, it may not. Maybe. And I'm thinking I might be far away from it. Hopefully. Because, I mean, other than that, you know, we've been through that before. It's noisy. All right, First John 3 and 1. Of course, we're not going to go through all this stuff, but we'll go from here. And then one more scripture, and I think we'll conclude from there. Who's laughing at? All right, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So we got to understand, man, like God, I mean, if you really reverence who he is as God, mm -hmm. and he's calling you a son of God, mm -hmm. I mean, you ought to be walking around here, I mean, not proud, but knowing that you belong to real royalty. Like, man, this is God, you know, that I'm, I'm a child of. I'll get rid of everything for him. But it's like a real trade-off, man. You're going to be the son of a God that rules the universe, that rules it all. And you're worrying about your little TV or, you know, your little job making six figures. 
I mean, that's nothing in the eyes of God. Verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear uh, what we what we shall be, but we know that when we when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So this is talking about the resurrection. We're going to be like Christ, and every man that hath that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So that tells you, in order to have that hope in seeing Jesus Christ, we need to be purified. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. What, what law? The law of the Spirit. What is the law? Loving your neighbor as yourself and loving your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's uh, Matthew 22 and verse 35 through 36 or 37. So that tells you that, you know, and some people would say, well, how can my sin make me hate someone? Let's be real. How can you sleep around on somebody with someone and you tell them you love them and both of you are damned to hell? I mean, how can you, you know, I mean, it's like if you want to do it, just get married. But the point is, is that how can you do those things and tell somebody you love them every day, knowing where you're leading them and you yourself are going? So that's kind of twisted if you really believe who God is. I mean, it's just one thing when you want to live right. And I've done it. So I'm not condemning anybody for doing it. I'm just telling you, this is how you violate loving your neighbor. You can say you love them all day. How can you be around somebody and not share the gospel with them? Okay, if you, if you love them, why don't you tell them the truth? But you don't want to be ridiculed. You don't want to be mocked. So who are you concerned with? You. And you can't love God because you're not doing his will either. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is how you transgress the law. Okay. Then it says, and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth have not seen him, neither known him. Why? Because God has to separate from that which is unholy. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, and the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So what is that telling us? Being born of the Spirit. Okay, this doesn't mean that we're not on the right path. It doesn't mean that we're not striving to be made perfect. John is saying for someone that is born again of God does not commit sin and cannot commit sin. Mm -hmm. So this, has, this is not about willpower. This is about having the nature. Again, we talked about pigs love the mud. You can go and wash a pig off, he'll jump back in the mud because that's what he is. All right, I won't use the example for dogs again like I used last week, but you give a dog a bone, he's going to bury it. It's that simple. Liars lie, thieves steal, murder, killers murder. You know, that's what they do. But if you are of God, you are going to have the nature of God. And this is the sanctification process. Verse 10. In this the children of God are manifested in the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, 
is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Why? Because we just covered that. If you're not of God, you'll be engaged in sin. You're definitely not doing the works of the Lord. Jesus said that he that is, a, that is with me gathereth, and he that is not with me scattereth. Now, some people, well, I'm a good person. I'm not religious or nothing, but I believe in treating my neighbor right. You're still the enemy of God because you're not helping the kingdom, so you're hindering. All right? Well, a person should be hearing the truth in Jesus Christ. They're hanging out with you. <laughs> you know, and you're out doing whatever you want. So how are you helping God? You know, how can you be a good person if you're going against the living God? Okay. Now, these words may sound strong and strict, but what I'm saying is this is what we're striving for. Knowing what's wrong to be able to have it made right in Christ so we can walk with God. People like that also distract others from coming to the Lord because they follow after them, yeah. Or they follow mm -hmm. yeah, they follow after the world. So let's say you have a person that's new in Christ and he tries to talk to them about it, saying, you know, this is what I've learned in Bible study. That person who's still the enemy of God may say, Well, don't you do all these good things too? Mm -hmm. You don't need Jesus Christ in mm -hmm. your life and quickly they're starting to think, Well, you know what, you're right. So they're still Mm -hmm. regardless of what nice works they do that's right because of that they're still the enemy of god mm -hmm. now john here is in the inner circle now the three disciples that were closest to jesus were john peter and james mm -hmm. okay john and james were brothers and then there was um, peter now john was on the inner circle of even that okay jesus uh, john is referred to as the the disciple that jesus loved that he would lay on the breast of jesus and they would actually talk. So John was closer to Jesus than anybody. And he's the only one. He outlived everyone else. All the other disciples were killed. He was on the Isle of Patmos who God gave him. Jesus gave him the revelation of Jesus Christ to write. If it wasn't for John being alive and the Lord using him, we would have no revelation of Jesus Christ. So I'm believing what he says here versus a good Christian church person telling me, oh, I messed up. And they tell, oh, no man is without sin, brother. You're too hard on yourself. Just relax. You know, God loves, just apologize, and, and just keep on moving forward. But there are changes that need to be made in our lives. John is here saying it. Someone that is fully built up in Christ, you can't sin because you've got the nature of Christ. This can be done. Don't let anyone convince you otherwise. Mm -hmm. All right, for this is the message that uh, ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one that slew his brother, and wherefore slew him, I mean, slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. You see that? This is how the false church is going to turn on the real one. When you're actually doing what God said and not going through religious antics, you watch how they hate you. Because they're going to say, all this time I've been wrong? Yeah. <laughs> this is what you should have been doing, seeking a relationship with Christ. I mean, and it's available to all. So what religion does is get in the way between you and God. You want relationship. And you can go to church and have relationship. I'm not speaking against church order. I'm talking for those who don't want relationship. Not having a relationship with Jesus is not the same as going to church or having one, those two are not equal, okay? Relationship is a relationship that will endure whether you're in the church or outside of the church, okay? But if you can go to church 
and not have a relationship with Jesus and be a sinner. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 13, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Uh, he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother uh, is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So he's saying, if you hate your brother without a cause, you're a murderer. Because hatred itself is like waiting for something to die. That's the truest definition of hatred. That's why when people say, I hate somebody, you might dislike them. But hatred is such a strong word that you just can't wait for that thing to be dissolved. Mm -hmm. All right, we're almost done, guys. Um, verse 16. Uh, Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, now dwelleth the love of God um, in him. So in other words, if you have no respect for your brother or anything like that, and you're worried about your needs versus his, then how can you love man? How can you love God? How can you even be a part of that? Mm -hmm. You know, how can you have the nature of God and you hate your brother? Uh, verse 18, my little children, uh, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. That's why the King James Bible quotes it right. The truest example for love is charity. The Bible will always use the word agape for love as charity because charity is the truest expression of love. Agape is pretty much denying you and loving your brother unconditionally, whether they're good or bad. That is the true love of God. Not that God will save you if you, you know, if you're bad or whatever, but the thing is, is that that's the true love of God is to sacrifice, you know, you for the sake of caring for another. That's why Jesus said there's no greater love than one who would give his life for his friends. Mm -hmm. If you love yourself, you can't do that. So not just in words, oh, I love you. I know people tell me they love me. I know they can't stand me. There are people that can't wait for me to fall on my face. I know that. Even though people may be all oh, brother and this and that. I know deep down in their hearts, oh, man, you talk so much smack. You think you know this Bible. Man, wait till you fall down. I've run into people like that. Or someone may come to me later and say, hey, you think such and such is your friend? Well, actually, this is what they said about you afterwards. And I'm like, you know what, man, that's on them. You can't be concerned with all of that. You know, you just got to do what he tells you. Yep. All right, verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So when anybody want to talk to you about keeping the Sabbath, you show them this. It says his commandment. It didn't say commandments. Loving your God and loving your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Don't let anybody bring you back up under religious works. Because if the Sabbath was important here, John would have mentioned it. Jesus didn't even talk about the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath. 
he, um, you know, they picked ears of corn. And when he was confronted, he said, did you not know what David did? The, the, the um, Sabbath was made for God. I mean, God was, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So he said, the son of man is Lord over the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is your Sabbath. Mm -hmm. All right, um, verse 24, I think, uh, 24, okay. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. So that tells us there that, you know, Christ being formed in us. We get into Christ, he gets into us. Mission over, Revelation 21. You guys don't have to go there if you don't want. I'm just going to read two lines. And this will be for all those that don't believe holiness is important. If you think that you're unholy or you can be unholy and walk with God, this will prove otherwise. But whether you consider yourself holy or not, don't be caught doing anything on this list and not repenting of and not doing any longer. Uh, verse 21 and 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Idolatry is a big thing. You can't afford but to not walk holy because, you know, there's so many things you can idolize over God that you can go to hell for. You know, being fearful. I was afraid to speak the truth in God. Well, that means you think that there's something greater than God. Now, why should you inherit the kingdom of God? You know, um, unbelieving, that pretty much speaks for itself. I mean, abominable, that would be like debased, you know, disgusting, low. Um, murderers, again, you can hate your brother and be a murderer. You may not have to kill anybody. But just the fact that you hate someone without a cause, that's more than enough. John said not one murderer will inherit the kingdom of God. So our hearts really have to be changed. Whoremongers speaks for itself. Sorcerers, those that are into, you know, drugs. That would even be like for drug addicts and those that experiment with drugs, those that are into witchcraft. You know, idolaters and all liars. There's no such thing as a white lie. A lie is a lie, you know. So we got to really be careful, even with cracking jokes and lying. We got to be true that that actually happened. Mm -hmm. All right, so from here, there's no point to go any further. Um... It is what it is, you know, and I mean, a lot of people won't be happy with that sort of thing, but that's yeah. just life, just making sure I've concluded. Matter of fact, I'm just going to read this, guys. You don't have to go there. This is Luke 6 and 39. Jake, I know you got something to say. One second. I don't want to lose my thought. Um, Luke 6 and 39 says, and he spake a parable um, unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into a ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master. So that's what I want to conclude that with, because he is talking about being perfect. That's why when the guy said, good master, Jesus said, why are you calling me good? You're not even good. So how are you going to call me good? You understand? So look at that example even coming up again. Right. He wasn't even perfect trying to call something perfect. That's why we have to judge situations righteously. You know, when it talks about he that is spiritual judgeth all things, 
and he himself is judged of no man. Why? Because he looks inward and he does the will of God. So when they tell you, don't judge me, you can't judge, you're judging, read um, uh, Matthew 7 in your own time. Jesus is not talking about judgment. He's talking about hypocritical judgment. If I'm guilty of something, then that thing needs to be, you know, corrected in me before I can tell another. Yeah, Jay, sorry, man. Uh, is it all right if I read Psalm 23 real quick? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really short. So. Yeah, it's cool. Okay. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteous, righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, thy, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I mean, because for that right there, he's talking about surely goodness and mercy. You know, walking in the ways of the Lord and the Lord walking with him. That's a perfect way to conclude the fact that, you know, you want to walk with God, you got to walk in the ways of God. That's true. Okay, sir. Thank you. Yeah, man. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, and I want to thank you for another day that you've given to us. I want to thank you for all the things that you've done for us, everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord, for you've always taken care of every need and so much more. You've never left us wanting or without, and you've given us everything that we need to go through this life and to serve you. And tonight, Lord, I'm asking and praying that you will come upon this ministry. Lord, that we will want to seek holiness, to know, Lord, that there are only two options in this life, and that's either we're going to serve you, Lord, we're going to follow your commandments, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Or, Lord, we're going to serve Satan. We'll go back into a life of sin greater than what you pulled us out of, as your word says. So help us, Lord. Help us to seek after that righteousness. Help us to hunger and thirst after your word, Lord. I'm praying that you will put an outpouring of your Holy Spirit so greatly upon this ministry that we will burst at the seams. Lord, that we will want to go out and have that fire within us, Lord, your Holy Spirit to want to preach and to teach your gospel to others, Lord. We can't hold it inside of us. This is a nature change, Lord. We have to be changed into the image of Jesus Christ to do your will, Lord. I know tonight, Lord, we don't know how much time that we have left. You could give us years or you could give us months. But, Lord, we cannot become slothful. We cannot get weary in well-doing. Lord, and I'm praying that you will change us tonight, that we will want to be changed from the inside out, that we will want to have those gifts of the Spirit in our life, Lord, that we will believe that we can do the things that your word says that we can do, that we can cast out demons, that we can speak in new tongues, Lord, that we can heal the sick, that we can raise the dead. But do we believe, Lord? Are we willing to be sanctified? Are we willing to let go of the former things of this life and put on the new man in Christ Jesus to go out and say in the name of Jesus, you have been healed. But it's not by anything that we do, Lord. 
We can't do anything of our own. We can't do anything in the carnal, in the sensual, in the soulish nature, Lord. We have to live in the spirit. So I'm praying tonight, Lord, that you help us to see that. I'm praying tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus, if you go to Satan and say, Have you considered my servant Job? That we will be willing to stand up and glorify the name of Jesus in everything that we do. That when Satan come, he has nothing in us, Lord. Let us not be bound in our feelings and emotions. And I'm praying that you help us tonight, Lord. That we will show forth your power, your dutimus, with the authority, Lord, to this world. Let your light shine through us. Lord, I pray that you will be able to trust us with your power, that we can do these things. But Lord, we cannot go back into sin. We cannot crucify you afresh, afresh, Lord. I'm praying today, Lord, that we will move forward in you because the only alternative is to being reprobate, Lord, is being disqualified, is the hell, is the lake of fire, a place of torment for eternity. Lord, let us wrap our minds around that. And I'm praying today, Lord, that any areas of our life today that we have not given to you, that we will pray and fast through these to give them to you, Lord, so you can work in our life as a testimony. Help us to understand, Lord, that if we go through trials and tribulations, Lord, if we lose family or friend or job for testifying the name of Jesus, then that means that we're just becoming more like you. That we will have glorified bodies in heaven one day, but we cannot be stuck to this present day life, Lord, and everything that is in it. Because we will be above all men most miserable, Lord. We have to lay up our treasures in heaven to seek your calling upon our life within the body of Christ, Lord. Help us that we will do so. Thank you again, Lord, for all the things that you've done for us. I pray that you will build us up every day to bring lost souls to you. Help us to see and understand the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. Lord, I pray that you will place your shield of protection around us. Fill us with you, Holy Spirit. Guide and direct and lead us into your truths and into all truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.